In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, today marks the beginning of my 10th and final program year as your rector. As you can imagine, this is a bittersweet time for me. Where have the years gone? There's a sense of loss of which I am reminded by today's stories of the lost sheep and the lost coin. But I also have a sense of anticipation and excitement for what the future may hold, both for me personally and for St. Paul's. For those who may be new or not be clear about what is happening, I'm bumping up against the mandatory retirement age. In the Episcopal Church, a priest must step down from the position that he or she holds upon reaching the age of 72. I can continue to serve as a priest, but not at St. Paul's when I hit that age next June. Your search, your rector search committee, with the help of great input from the congregation and from the vestry, has done a terrific job of describing our parish and your hopes and dreams for a new rector. I hope you've all had a chance to read the parish profile. You can find it easily through a link on our parish website. Now that the profile has been published and made available to clergy throughout the Episcopal Church, the search committee will be accepting, will begin accepting and reviewing applications from priests who feel called to serve as your next rector. My actual retirement date depends, of course, on how long this process will take. Once a call has been made and a priest accepts the call and a start date is agreed upon between the church and the new rector, I'll step down a couple of months before that new person arrives, most likely early in 2017. Now, one of the most exciting things about the future of this place is the bold decision that your vestry has made to have a capital campaign coupled with our annual stewardship campaign. It's called Getting Our House Ready, Moving Our Mission Forward. This is gonna be a great gift to the new rector and a powerful sign to potential candidates that St. Paul's is a visionary and risk-taking congregation. As the name implies, the combined campaign helps prepare for a new rector and assures the necessary resources for a successful future. The capital campaign portion focuses on energy-saving initiatives that will lower our carbon footprint and our utility bills and make our campus even more inviting and welcoming. The stewardship portion provides some of the one-time costs of bringing a new rector. We'll provide full-year costs of our 
relatively new assistant rector, Garrett Yates, and of course, continues our wonderful worship, music, children and youth, pastoral care, fellowship, and adult formation ministries. Right now, we are in the quiet phase of the campaign with a public launch scheduled for the beginning of October. You'll be hearing a lot more about getting our house ready, moving our mission forward in the near future. This morning's gospel takes us back to where we were earlier this summer when we heard the famous parable of the prodigal son, perhaps more accurately called the parable of the forgiving father. Today, we hear the first two of a trilogy of parables that we might think of as the lost and found department of Luke's gospel. But it's a peculiar lost and found department. You see, this one actually goes out of its way to find what is lost and throws a heavenly party when it is found. Of today's two parables, my favorite is the one about the lost sheep. Jesus tells the story of a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. One of the sheep goes missing. The other 99 are safe and sound. Jesus begins his story by asking, which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Well, the correct answer, of course, is no one in his right mind would leave 99 sheep in the wilderness to fend for themselves and go off looking for 1% of the flock. But Jesus isn't in his right mind by human standards. He's in his right mind by heavenly standards. He's describing the unlimited, extravagant, throw all caution to the wind, love and grace of God for every one of God's lost sheep which would be you and me. And when God finds us and brings us back from having wandered away, God throws a heavenly party and invites the angels to dance in divine celebration. I'd like to go back to something else that I would like to see us take on in this new program year. It's something that's been weighing heavily on my heart this past summer. And most recently really was brought home to me as I visited last week the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island in New York Harbor. I'm referring to the refugee crisis. It's a human catastrophe of truly epic proportions. According to the United Nations, there are over 60 million displaced people in the world, the most we have seen since World War II. It's a little hard to get a handle on the exact definition and number of who is displaced and who is a refugee. 
But we're all too familiar with the tragedy of millions of refugee families, most of whom include children. Now, these refugees may not be lost in quite the same sense of the lost sheep or the lost coin or the lost son, but they are truly lost through no fault of their own. Victims of war, for the most part, in places like Syria, Afghanistan, and Somalia. Of course, as Christians, we're called to care for the orphan, the widow, the alien. We're called to seek and serve Christ in all persons and to respect the dignity of every human being. Jesus calls us to feed the hungry, welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, care for the sick. And like the lost sheep, God wants us to do everything we can to rescue these lost people, to be the good Samaritan when others walk by and ignore the tragedy, to be bearers of God's extravagant and unlimited love. I'm pray praying that we might develop a response here that could include sponsoring a refugee family, either on our own or in partnership, perhaps, with another parish. You may know that the Episcopal Church has a proud tradition of serving refugees and migrants, and I believe we should continue that tradition. It won't be easy, but Jesus never said it would be easy to be a follower of him. Some might say, well, what difference could it make? One family in the face of millions needing resettlement? Well, it would make a difference to that family, the mother, the father, the child, and that's how God works. One sheep, one coin, one son, one refugee family at a time. We are so blessed in this parish and in this community. Can't we step up to the plate, put our faith and resources in action, and do the right thing for those in desperate need? Won't you join me in thinking, praying, and acting on this call that I think we are experiencing from God. Amen.